Hayes. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they no longer date. I'm one half of your host and team, Matthew Fisher. I'm the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. Two halves make a whole. Very good. You remember your fractions from uh, elementary school. Uh-huh. Whole grains. This is wholesome material. Whole foods quality. Wholeheartedly. We're throwing ourselves into this. Yeah. Just into the just our 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 whole selves. Just call me a whole. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Matt Ryan, I made a promise many years ago that I was going to game showify this podcast a little more. Yeah, and um, today, if with your permission, I'd like to do a little of that. Uh, at the top of the show. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Usually the, the game showification comes at the end like a prize. Yeah, this time it's uh, coming at the beginning like uh, punishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Punish me, pod daddy. <laughs> uh, I don't have a name for this one. Uh, let's see if I can come up with one off the top of my head. Um, a- advertisement go round uh, all right sure let's try that so we've been doing this show for nigh on four and a half years yeah and uh we have yet to receive an offer to do advertisements matt uh yeah at least for 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 products for products we've, and we've um, advertised for other podcasts i just you know you listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to a lot of podcasts I don't know how you feel, but I listen to these hosts making these ads sometimes, and I'm like, we could do that, and we could do that better. Okay. So maybe the uh, companies out there don't realize how good we would be at this thing. So I kind of want to have like a little, this is like a game that we'll play as sort of, you know, think of it as an audition for their product. So the game show is Matt and Ryan sell out? (laughs) Well, I have three (laughs) non-denominational typical podcast ad companies. Okay. Um, Is this like, is it just the names of the companies in here or is it like ad copy for them? It's the names of the the companies and a description of what the company is. Uh, you'll be able to discern what I'm ripping off quite easily. Hopefully, I was going to say, are we are, like I'm picturing some Hello Fresh in here, possibly? Uh, maybe Casper mattresses. Maybe who else advertises on podcast? Squarespace uh, could be could be one of those. Whatever one you pick, I think we should try it. And well, depending on how long it goes, maybe we'll do all three. I don't know. Okay, sure, sure, sure. You want to give it a whirl? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Plays while I yeah, I'll probably decide. put something in there. All right. Matt has drawn... Howdy Tasty? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what does that do? What is that company? It's a meal delivery service. Oh, okay. So here, what we're going to be doing then is we're going to be doing a quick ad for Howdy, <laughs> Howdy Tasty. Tasty. <laughs> so, uh... Would you like to start us off? Boy, I sure do get tired of eating the same thing every week. Well then, partner, maybe you should try Howdy Tasty. (laughs) Howdy Tasty? What's that? It's the rootinest, tootinest meal delivery service this side of the Alamo. Yee-haw! What kind of meal services do they deliver? Well, I personally got the the brisket dough gratin. I'm not known in these parts as a meal cooker. I like my beans in a can. But this meal was so easy, even my husband loved it. I was gonna say, aren't people who cook generally a bit fruity? You watch your mouth round these parts. This is a inclusive outback. So where do you get your ingredients from? Because I only eat all natural, farm-to-table, holistically grown and sustainably sourced food. Well, I would have guessed that from your tender frame you're carrying there. These are only brought from the finest farm-to-table farmers (laughs) and tablers. Have all the meat processing facilities been approved by Temple Grandin? She tries every piece of meat that's sent before you can eat it. 
All right. That's what the bite mission is for howdy tasty. How many people does it serve? One. <laughs> no, no gradient. No, no. Like... Nope, it's for single people. So your husband makes it just for himself? Well, he made it for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Yeehaw! I'm eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> Brisket au gratin. So come on and get if you're Howdy Tasty. And if you're an X-rated movies listener, if you go to Howdy Tasty slash Oyster Shucker. You'll get an additional 20% off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. All right. You want to do another one? Yeah. Okay. Our sponsor this time is Round Area <laughs> Website Hosting. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll start us this time. Oh, I just don't know how to get this information out. I have so much I want to share with the world. <laughs> Willy-nilly. That's right. I'm here to help you build the best website you can. A website? What's that? Well, you see, kids, in today's modern age, we go online to look at stuff that we want to buy. Wow. So tell me about the product you're selling. Well... I've got an array of flexible dildos that I'm trying to sell. I make them here at my house. Great. We'll just register the domain name, popthatpussy.com, <laughs> and away we go. So simple. At popthatpussy.com, you can <laughs> see all your artisanal dildos. There's big ones, there's small ones, the ones for the overachievers! <laughs> wow, and with c- circle areas templates, showcasing my dildos is a breeze! Making your website is as easy as slipping in one of your dildos! <laughs> well, thanks, Willy Nilly. I bet this costs an arm and a leg. What? <laughs> of course not! The money you make in selling five, six dildos will cover the cost of a subscription for a whole year! What? Wow! With added commerce features, you can do bulk rate discounts on people buying your dildos <laughs> wholesale! Well, this sounds like a great deal. Where do I go to sign up for Circle Area? Just Google the phrase Circle Area and... <laughs> Put in the promo code X-Rated and get 20% off your first year subscription. <laughs> a goo-loo-loo. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do the last one? Sure. I may, I, we may as well. Pubwacken. <laughs> Manscaping laser. Pubwacken. Okay. Ryan. Yeah. Can I confess something to you? Yeah, go for it. This might be TMI, but... That's okay. Sometimes it's like a jungle down there. Oh, you mean in the carpet? Down there, Mm. if you know what I'm saying. Wink, wink. Well, Matt, I'm glad that you brought this up, because I actually have a main line to a product that can help you with down there. Really? It's called Pube Whacker. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's a whole integrated service for... uh, taken your pubes from here which is big to here which is short oh well that sounds like a dream but how could a product this good be true well the folks at pube whacker have spent years perfecting their pube whacker technology what it slices and dices in ways that won't cut your junk i mean my tender bits are particularly tender especially when they're been overheating over the course of, of a day or night. Our listeners know that for sure. So there's a, a, a protective guard per se to keep pubes that we want and separate the wheat from the chaff, we'll say. <laughs> yes, pube whackers went to farm technology to design their blades and uh, chafers that don't chafe. 
Oh wow, it looks just like a crop duster. And it's whisper quiet! <laughs> what? I couldn't hear you over the whisper of the pube whacker. X-rated listeners, if you act now using promo code carpet match the drapes, you'll get an extra 20% off your pube whacker. Well, you know where I'm going right after we're done with this copy. Pubewacker.com slash X-rated movies. You know it. All right. There'll be no more reaching for those rainbows. Hey, that was good. Now that we've shown what we can do. Mm-hmm. I think we can just sit back and wait for the emails to roll in. Yeah, I think so. Wouldn't it suck if like you're an ad agency and you're like trying to drum up business and like your own ads suck? Like, yeah, that that's a real like uh, uh, pincer right there. If you can't even Alan like... Marv's advertising agency, <laughs> come on down if you have a product to sell. We do ads for car companies, carpet companies, cleaning products, apartments, industrial cleaning products, kitty litter, and medicinal cleaning products, and so much more. And you tell us. <laughs> we pass the savings on to you and yours so that you can have the best experience possible. Let us take care of the advertising. You take care of your business. Come on down to Merv and Alberts. It's the best. <laughs> Wasn't it Merv or Marvin? In the beginning. I can't even remember my own name. This is why I'll never be a good improver. <laughs> Those improvers are good at remembering their names. You're just like, no, you, no, you're, you're not a good advertiser, Melvin. Your improv always runs blue anyway. It's just like we advertise for, you know, apartments and uh, the proctology offices. <laughs> Well, yes, I am a gynecologist. <laughs> I also think I don't. I, I the more improv I listen to, like I think the good ones are the ones who are like willing to just be uh, vulnerable with their own, you know, uh, foibles. And I'm not quite there yet. So, um, like, what kind of foibles? Yeah, see, you're trying, oh. to, you're trying to get in there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like uh, good improvers are able to let their weird things show. Huh. I'm not quite ready to dangle all those weird bits in front of everybody's face <laughs> oh wow yeah tasty maybe i'm not grown up enough you know well i mean growing up is tough not everyone wants to do it yeah sometimes you have to uh force people into it kicking and screaming why that's the name of the movie we're talking about today ryan uh, that is quite the coincidence there wow that worked out really well and wasn't planned at all. Yes, and... <laughs> That's uh, right, Matt. Today's movie is Kicking and Screaming. Noah Baumbach's directorial debut. Does this movie not make you feel 20? Oh, exa- it captures... Oh, my God. My favorite things... Okay, so I, I skewed uh, personal this week. I know that Noah Baumbach has better movies, and I've been wanting to do one of his movies for a long time. I toyed with Margot at the Wedding. I toyed with Francis Ha, both of which I think are better movies than this one. Mm-hmm. But this one just, it really speaks to me. It comes from a very personal place, and it just captures this small zone of someone's, of people's lives. So one, this movie has a charm to it that, yes, on like a film form like level, on a technical level... I would not say is very accomplished. Yeah. Like, he has since made much better movies. I, like, I I wouldn't even put this in top five Bombach movies. Yeah, maybe not. But, I mean, A, it's because he makes good movies. But two, there is a charm to this one that sucks me in. And it's just, even before we see anyone, 
the song over oh. the opening credits. Yeah, the Pixies. I'm just like, oh my god, this is 1995. <laughs> oh my god, it's like a time machine. Yeah, it not only and like I was noticing this time, it not only captures like a time in these people's lives, it captures a time in humanity when like these like the internet isn't even a thing in I this know. movie. They're still using corded phones. It's just so mid-90s. It really is. So this movie dates back to like our original challenge with one another. That's right. And I remember I watched it, and I enjoyed it, but it didn't like speak to me. Mm-hmm. And this time around, it kind of did. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. So I was thinking, you know, when, when I originally watched it, it would have been 2009. Yeah, around, around about. So like 14 years after its release. Well, now I'm watching it, it's 2021. It's been like another 12 years since I've seen it last. Yeah. Like almost as much time from its release date, you know. Right. Uh, It's creeping up on 30 years old at this point. And when I initially watched it, I would have been like 23, 24 probably. And now that there's like a little bit of space, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Graduate students are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I, I mean, I loved this movie when I first saw it and I was like, 20 something young 20s but like watching it now i didn't see like all the kid stuff like he treats them like kids like yeah what's her name uh olivia dabo's character uh i can't remember her name but she's still wearing a retainer yeah uh, grover at one point she's like you're a foul weather friend grover you're not interested in me unless i'm suffering like you you're like a child sometimes yeah but if i was a child you'd find that endearing I see them as like children and like now that I'm the age I am I you know when I was working in the bar I'd card 21 year olds and it's like you're a baby I know but I could remember being like 22 and being like why are they still looking for my card I'm 22 you know <laughs> yeah it's it, it it it's weird because like they are kids like their only frame of reference for the world is like their hometown or college like they don't have any other frame of reference for the world yeah and it's like you see it. It's like everything they talk about is, you know, something from their childhood or teenage years. Like when they're like, you know, ding, name all the Friday the 13th movies. Right. Could you do that? Uh, At the time, there were nine. Uh, yeah. Would you like me to do it now? Oh, yeah. Name all the fi- Friday the 13th movies. One is just Friday the 13th. Oh, you didn't ding in. Uh... But then there, uh, the other one is like they're like ding. What was it like? Post impressionist poets or something? Yeah. And it's like, oh god, you took a class and you still have it like fresh on the surface because you like that class. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's just such a fucking obnoxious college kid thing to do. Oh yeah. And it's like you know the movie opens at like a graduation party, right? And Eric Stoltz is there, and he's like the career grad student, and I'm just, I like I'm just like oh. Fuck this guy. <laughs> well, these are undergrads, I think. The, yeah, these are undergrads, but Eric Stoltz is like oh, it's still yeah career grad student. Moving from uh, uh, major to major. Just never like really auditing a bunch of classes. Mm-hmm. And just the, the moment we're introduced to him, and like that woman just like tries to like slowly walk away. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, get away, run away. So what do you do? I'm a uh, philosophy German major. <laughs> Philosophy German? I don't get it. You're you're not still a student, are you? Oh yeah. Well, technically, at least until I complete my thesis, which is becoming more and more overwhelming each year. And she's wearing one of the most '90s outfits. Everyone was dressed so '90s in this, like I know the big like suits or, or oh, just like the ill-fitting <sighs> pleated corduroy pants. But I... didn't part of you want to be like, let's move in? To like a big house with a bunch of roommates in like a house that was like built in the forties, probably is freezing in the winter, mm-hmm. probably swelters in the summer. Like, don't you want to do that, Ryan? Like, you, me, we'll get Darren, Jessica will give up her family, <laughs> and we'll just live in this house Eric with Blood can move back. Eric, Eric Blood can move in. We'll just have one TV <laughs> and no <a> love computers. <laughs> No cell phones. A corded phone with an answering machine. Oh, and that answering machine predated me. It was like one that like had a crank it on it digital, or something. It wasn't even digital, yeah. It was like the tapes you had to rewind. But it's just like, 
that is like such the house that you move into like right after college or like right after moving out of your parents. Oh my God. So quick story. Uh, so this movie has a bunch of just like fun little moments. Like it's packed with them. It's just mm-hmm. constantly packed with witty, funny things. And there's one part where um, I think it's an establishing shot kind of thing. It's just the floor and it's broken glass and somebody's mm. like shuffling the glass to a little pile and they just put a sign on it saying broken, broken glass. glass. Yeah. Friend of the pod and extra Emily Duncan. I used to live with her oh. in Fremont. It was the first place I lived in after college. And at some point, someone broke a wine glass in the dishwasher and she just closed it and put a sign on it that said, be alert, <laughs> broken glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to deal with this. Just everyone be aware. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just like the decor of the house and just. There's something about the idea of like four people living together, one TV, one modest sized couch, and like no just, direction. <laughs> no direction. Like the house probably is like paint that's chipping, and I don't know. It just they it, remark on how it's in a bad neighborhood too. Like, it just it captured such a moment. Yeah, something about it. This friends time dropping around. by, like Skippy comes by all the time, and. Yeah, nobody does that anymore. No one does a pop-in. No, yeah. Plus, this has the indie 90s queen Parker Posey. Oh, my God. In a great role for her. (laughs) Great role for her. She's playing a new senior. She's a junior at the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. graduating to being a senior. I liked her character a lot, this viewing, because it makes a lot of sense. In the past, I was sort of like, what's her deal? Like, why is she not into Skippy? And she's sort of realizing, I think, I, I'm just on my viewing this time, is like she's just sort of realizing that, like, I don't want to be somebody who's stuck with him. Like, sure. I want to I want to make mistakes. I'm still in college. I'm not outside like him. Like, I can make these mistakes. And so, because I, I was kind of judgy in the past about her, like, cheating on him. But it's like, mm. I don't know. I think she should. I think she's in the right a little bit. Plus, Skippy kind of sucks. All the guys kind of suck yeah, in this movie. Yeah, they all kind of suck. Like, which is weird because I don't think I picked up on that when I watched this initially. Yeah. Like, to me, I'm like, oh, this is just, like, people I know. And, like, now I watch I'm like, oh, is this what people in their early 20s are like? Oh, my God. So, going back to that apartment I lived in with Emily Duncan, we had cable. And this movie played a bunch on, maybe it was, like, the IFC channel or Sundance channel or something. And I watched it a bunch. And, you know, this is, like, the year after I graduated from a liberal arts university. Yeah. And I was just like... I just remember like being stoned on the couch, watching that at like two in the morning, like constantly. I, whenever it was on, I was like, I'll just watch this movie and not relating, but relating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's remarked upon several times that all the men talk alike. You know, you guys all talk the same. <laughs> and I wonder if this is what like Pulp Fiction did to the landscape. But to me, I'm like, oh, the, the way that the guys talk in here, it's like so reservoir dogs it's so vincent and jewels yeah like, there's Pop just like culture and like yeah nothing. and but like the women don't really talk that way exactly and they complain that all the men are talking this way so i'm just like is this how people talked in the 90s or is it just like this is just how men they all like glommed on to tarantino and changed their their cadence that's a good question because What's her name? So there's like flashbacks and it's Grover like kind of remembering Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Olivia Dabo's character. The first one we see is like them in creative writing class, I'm assuming. And everyone is like, wow, what great prose. Like you're like Holden Caulfield, and uh, Raymond Chandler, blah, blah, blah. And she's the first one who's like. I'd like to say first up that uh, the prose is remarkable. It's beautifully written. Uh, however, I've noticed that uh, the characters in Grover's story spend all their time discussing the least important things, uh, you know, like what to have for dinner or who's the best-looking model in the Victoria's Secret catalog. I don't know. T- to me, the story just seemed slight. It had the feeling of being written in one night. All that thought and energy put into Saturday morning cartoons. I- I think it's depressing. Yeah, and she's also the one that wants to, like, move on. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a comment on culture and the sexes necessarily, but, like, there is something about, like, the women wanting to, like, 
you know, rise above whatever these guys are doing. Well, part of me was thinking, I was like, these guys seem privileged AF, oh. especially by today's standards. Yeah. Like, not, There's not a person of color in this movie, by no, the way. No, uh, yeah. Not, this movie's winning no diversity awards. It is the waspiest bullshit. <laughs> but it's also like, I can kind of see like how these people would like grow up to be like Republican voters. These are like, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even though like, they all went to like school before oh, yeah. college oh, costs exploded. Max and... is a hundred percent going to be a Republican. <laughs> yeah, and I can kind of see why the guys would be happy just staying in this life, like living on the college campus. You know, sort of like Eric Stoltz. Like he's got the job as a bartender, yeah. and then he just goes to school and he's like, "I made the decision to just learn." I'm like, "Oh." Somehow, I experienced my time as, as as a postponement of my life, but eventually, I just realized that this is my life and he has a kid i know I, I forgot that nugget when that happened i was like dude get it together yeah <laughs> and so finally it's like i can kind of see why if you were one of the dudes you'd want to just like stay here yeah because it's sort of like a paradise i mean that's kind of what it looks like to me it's like you got no real responsibility they don't even seem to have much in the way of hobbies other than, like, going to a bar and drinking and talking. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't sound too bad coming from someone who's, like, overworked and stressed what feels like constantly these days. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I want to just go to a bar and hang out with my friends and talk about bullshit for endless amounts of time. But, like, if Which you're... Which you can kind of do when you're in school. Yeah. But, like, if you're, like, a woman, you're probably like, uh, I could do without all these, like privileged egotistical white dudes like telling me what i should be doing with my life yeah so this will do for now but the moment this is done i'm out of here and it kind of shows it in the movie now that you're talking about it because like kate the 2t of grover she loves hanging out with these guys she's 17 by the way 16 going on 17 Uh uh-huh and she's like hanging out with them in the bar she's like excited about the game that they're playing and, you know, I could see Parker Posey's character being like that well, several like, years ago. I mean, with Parker Posey, like, the, the feeling that I get is that, you know, she's here for a good time, not a long time. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is what works right now. And the moment this doesn't work, I'm gone. But, uh, I mean, it's sort of laid out in the beginning when... Uh, she goes to go get pot? <laughs> well, uh, the, the themes of, like, moving on versus, like, oh, oh, staying... Oh. Because she literally walks away. She's like, this isn't working. I'm going to go look for pot. (laughs) I'm going to go look for pot. There's a lot of lines that, like, Parker Posey that, on paper, I don't think would actually, like, look like a a memorable line. But she twists Mm. into memorable lines somehow. She's real good. Same year as uh, uh, Doom Generation, by the way, which also has uh, one of my favorite lines of hers. I'm going to lop his... Dick off like a chicken head. But at the beginning, Grover's smoking, and uh, he's trying to get Jane to, to smoke, and she's like, no, I'm quitting. He's like, so all of a sudden, you just stop smoking? Meanwhile, I went to two fucking packs a day. For 20 years, I make it through all that peer pressure. Suddenly, my senior year, you get me addicted. Well, because you smoke now, I should too. No, but what you did was sneak. Yes, you should smoke too. That's sort of the theme of the movie right there, is like, he's fine with his life the way that it is. She acknowledges that this is ultimately bad for her mm-hmm. and moves on from it yeah. or is trying to move on from it. And yeah, like that's kind of the theme between the two movies is that Grover has to like go into adulthood kicking and screaming. Hey, that's the name of the show. And <laughs> Jane is like ready for the next chapter in her life. Yeah. And Max points that out to him at the bar. Uh, he, he says like, Shut up, Skippy. Leave Skippy alone. Leave Skippy alone. That's his role. That's what we like about Skippy. We like to kick him around and make fun of him. That's the norm. That's a bad habit. Well, this is all just habit. These drinks we're drinking. Scotch. You smoke like a chimney, Grover. Affectations that become habits. No different than us. These aren't signs of a personality. These aren't signs of becoming something. This is just something we did for a while because it impressed a girl. And then, like, now that's our lives. And, like, Max ha- actually, Max is a little insightful now I'm thinking about it. Because, like, when they go to drop off Otis to go the first time, and as they're leaving the airport, he goes, by the way, leaving, g- to going to the gate to see somebody off for uh, a flight. Very 90s. Sure. Um, but as they're leaving. Pre-9-11 yeah. thing. 
He goes like, What I used to be able to pass off as just another bad summer could now potentially turn into a bad life. I remember that feeling when fall 2002 started because that was the first fall I had where I wasn't in school. I wasn't going back to school. Okay. Uh, and just sort of feeling like, oh shit, I need to have a plan. <laughs> and uh, I never got one, but uh, here I am <laughs> podcasting away. Uh-huh. Where was I going with this? Just that, uh, yeah, like affectations become habits. Like you, you do something for a while and it just sort of becomes your life. Mm-hmm rather than what Jane is doing where she's like, no, I want to, I want to take control. And like, I don't want to just like have this be my life. I want to go to Prague. And, and she even says like, you can come to Prague with me. Yeah. And he's like, no, cause he's a baby. He is a baby. <laughs> I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from. Cause he doesn't want it to be like, I'm only going because of you, but it's like, he should want to go too. He's a writer too. Like she's going there to write and like soak up culture. Yeah. So it's like, he, ostensibly likes those things like he was a creative writing major elliot gould his dad is like you're a good writer like everyone in that class seemed to like what he'd write but for some reason he's just unwilling to make that step he's just uh he's comfortable where he is like which is a a, a mindset that i appreciate but do not approve because the way that he talks about it, he's like oh i've been to prague well i haven't been to prague been to prague but i know that thing i know that Stop shaving your armpits, read the unbearable lightness of being, fall in love with a sculptor, now I realize how bad American coffee is thing. Beer, they have good beer. How bad American beer is thing. You're complaining about people having higher standards? Yeah. Like, you're complaining about people finding out what something good is? Meanwhile, you're going to this rich liberal arts college. Yeah. Yeah, you're as snobby as they come. It reeks of, like, privilege, but it also reeks of, like, they don't like anyone else's privilege. Right. They only like their own. Yeah. Like their own is comfortable. Someone else's is frightening. And on a similar note, like they, I mean, and this is a big theme, like they want to be old, but they don't want, they want to like reap all the like joys of a hard life's work. uh, Max says it again. Once again, he's like, I wish I was just retiring after a lifetime of hard labor. You haven't even gotten a job yet. Yeah, yeah. But that's how you feel after you get out of college. It's like this simultaneous, like, I can do anything, but I deserve to not do anything. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird, like, dichotomy. And it, it, I don't know, it just, it reeks of privilege so much in this movie. Like, part of me was like, how am I enjoying a movie about, you know, four plus super privileged white guys? I know, I think about that watching it too. But I think... Most of it is that it doesn't, they're not portrayed super sympathetically. And I think when I saw it when I was in my early 20s, because I related to them, it was like, you know, more cinema verite, just showing it like it is. And now I'm watching, I'm like, I think Noah Baumbach might have been mildly annoyed with himself a little bit. Like, this was probably him, and he probably didn't like himself, or like, when he did go to that next phase of his life, he looked back and was like, ugh, I used to be like that. There's always like a little bitterness running through his movies that I appreciate. Definitely, definitely. And it's like here Greenberg, too. there's so much bitterness um, in Greenberg or Margo, Margo at the, the wedding. That's <laughs> like, uh, even the squid and the whale, like there's a lot of like... I mean, Marriage Story, of course, most recently. He, he likes his bitterness. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice to see it in film, I think. And it, even here, yeah, I think that there is like a sort of like bitterness and resentment toward liberal arts kids, uh, even though he is one, you know, like yeah. it's a weird sort of like self resentment. Yeah. Well, it's like, didn't Nobombeck also co-write uh, Life Aquatic? Mm-hmm. And like that is by far like the bleakest and meanest of Wes Anderson's movies. Yeah. And so th- there is something to it. It's just like, that's the region that he likes to be in. Is like, you know, familiar discord, like being unhappy with those closest to you. Yeah. I really like it. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I like his films a lot. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen all of his movies. No, he went through like a director for hire period, didn't he? I don't think so. No? Mm-mm. I thought he made a couple lame movies. Did he, Was he always on the the high art path? 
Yeah, I think he's been mostly a writer-director. I think there were, like, two movies he did after this that he was kind of, like, director for hire. But Yeah, I think th- those are the ones that I'm thinking like of. Highball and... Um, Highball and Mr. Jealousy. Those yeah. are the ones that I'm thinking of, yeah. Both those movies have Eric Stoltz in them. That's right. This is our first Eric Stoltz? He's in Pulp Fiction. That's true. Lord knows we talk about Mask enough. <laughs> And we talked about Back to the Future. so That's, that's true. That's true. So he's come up in conversation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Not, not a good redhead representation, I'll say, even though he's the like slacker weirdo. The, the, uh, the rare double ginger in this movie. Uh, the oh, long-haired one. Skippy. Skippy has like long red hair. Yeah. Is Skippy charming? No. No, you're not into Skippy? I think Skippy's the cutest of the dudes, but he's also the dumbest. I don't know. Otis puts it in like it's it's competition between him and Otis, but Skippy, Skippy's pretty dumb. Yeah. So there's that scene when um, Parker Posey's character, whose name I don't know, um, Miami. Okay. When Miami is tells him that she cheated on him, and she's like, "You know what? I can't stand you. I can't stand that. You know your your shoes, your pants, that shirt you're wearing, your." Hair, your hair drives me crazy. Just get out, okay? I have homework to do. Just get out. Get out. Get out. 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 Go. And he's uh, mouthing Go. the words she's saying as she says them. Yeah. And eventually she breaks and she starts laughing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he is a little charming. He is a little charming. And he's a little cute, too. Like, yeah. I, I can see putting up with that for a little while. But, like, you know, would you want to be, like, stuck with that? No. Which is what you were saying, like, Parker Posey is seems to be concerned about. It's yeah. like, oh, if I bang this too often, like, is he going to be around all the time? Yeah. I mean, Skippy gets jealous of that Euro trash guy, and uh, she's like, "So what if I did fuck him?" You know, like I th- I totally thought he was gay though, but maybe it's just European little. No, he's I'm pretty sure he shows up in that scene when Grover's like fucking freshman, and he's the one who's reciting the poetry. Filled with misfortune, and my boots filled with sorrow for the adolescent country. Bleeding cactus. In or out? Oh, is that him? I think that's him, yeah. Oh, he had a nice butt. He did, yeah. And, like, he's, like, fooling around with her and they don't have a condom. Yeah. That's... And they turn on the lights. I know. It's like... It's over, man. (laughs) Game over. (laughs) I would excuse myself at that Well, especially it's, like, when he's, like, oh, I I must have forgot my wallet. And, like, they start laughing at him. Fucking in the dorms, like, the, the first time he goes and meets with that girl, and she, they're, like, her roommates are dancing to Bob Marley, and they're aye drinking, aye like, Colt 45. You're just like, oh, that really takes me back. <laughs> Real gross. What is it with, like, freshman uh, college students and fucking Bob Marley? Or maybe it's not a thing anymore, but it definitely was in the 90s. I was going to say, I, I, I mean... I think that held at least until, like, the 2010s. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not sure... There was just such a real college vibe. I remember, like, going to parties. Like, I didn't go to UW, but, like, I lived in the U District for a couple years. And, like, I'd go to parties, and I was like, this is what it felt like. There was just, like, 40s of OE around, and, yeah, reggae playing. Yeah. The one scene that I really remembered from this is uh, when Grover is, like, you know, being a pussy about trying to have sex with that girl who, like, takes her top off. Uh-huh. Come on, woman. Why don't you take off your skirt? <laughs> I've always liked that line. Yeah. And then I liked this time, what did she say? She's like, come on. Be romantically self-destructive with me. Yeah. It's like, no one talks like that. No but one talks like that. Care. There is, like, a heightened writerly quality to the way these people talk. And... Again, I'm just going to chalk this up to some weird charm this movie has. Like, that would bug me in other movies, but I don't know. It kind of reads like Wes Anderson y a little bit. Well, I mean, because like Quentin Tarantino has that very writerly way of, of getting his dialogue out. And that's why I kind of like it feels like it's cut from the same cloth. And like, I don't know if Bombac was just immediately influenced 
by it because like you know this movie was only a year later so it's very possible oh, sure. that this movie was in production when pulp fiction was was in theaters but there's a similar cadence to the movies so i mean yeah. maybe it was reservoir dogs that inspired him or something but yeah there, there's a writerly way to his speech speaking of privilege i learned that apparently steve martin who was a family friend of the bomb box read the script and liked it a lot and so he put like a letter of recommendation on it when they were shopping it around oh it's like, hmm, got a little boost there didn't you yeah so i want to kind of we i think we touched on it but i don't know if i got it out enough but like there is a theme that i've never noticed before of like wanting to be older but also wanting to be younger it's like this weird push and pull that I, these I characters are going feel for. that all the time because <laughs> like we have kate at one point say i like birthdays i'm gonna be 17 tomorrow and i like that 17 wow so now you can read 17 magazine and finally get all the references so it's not so bad i want to be older and it's not a disease and she's four years younger than these people and all they want to do is be younger mm-hmm. or like so old that I don't want to fast forward to the end yet, but like so old that like they've lived their life. They've already experienced everything. Mm-hmm. But like there is something about that span of like 16 to 22 where you're you're not a girl, but not yet a woman. Solid Britney Spears ref. Yes. Thank you. OK. Whew, glad I got that where it's just like. You, you don't know which way you're, you want to go. Like, I, you don't want to be an adult necessarily, but you want to be treated like one. But you still want all the, uh, you know, it's like Amy Schumer. How she wants to be, uh, you know, all the rights and privileges of a spoiled woman who gets spoiled during the patriarchy, but also wants to tear <laughs> it down. So, you know, it's kind of both. Yeah. And, uh, but like, once again, that's like a dichotomy that I understand. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm always like, oh, if I could go back and be 22, 23, back when I was, you know, living on Capitol Hill, had a crummy studio, worked at a record store, but had, like, no real responsibility and made, like, enough money that, like, I could go out drinking whenever I want. There was always, like, food in my fridge. Yeah. Like, I always look back at that time very fondly, like, 21 to 23, but then when I, like, talk to a 21 or 23-year-old, and I'm like, oh, my God. The amount of insecurities you have and like the amount of unknown unknowns to you. Like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I don't know how people put up with me when I was 22. And as an older person telling them those unknowns doesn't help. Like you have to go through it yourself. Yeah. They're just smart enough to like give you grief about it, Uh but not smart enough to like come up with like a logical, reasonable argument against you. Yeah. And that's the zone that these people are occupying. Yeah. I like that that's documented somewhere. Like, I don't know of many movies that really try to capture this specific zone. This is like uh, our big chill. It just, it captures a time and a place, like, so perfectly. There's not really enough music. You know, they probably had a problem, like, getting all the rights. But, like, the music, like, right the Pixie song right at the beginning. Uh-huh. I just feel transported back to like 1995. Yeah. And then, yeah, the look and the aesthetic, it's just very specifically this wonderful document of how people look and acted and felt in 1995. Yeah. He's kind of good at that in general, I would say. Like, I think people are going to look back at marriage story and be like, this looks like it was made in 2019. I also kind of feel like this would be a good double feature with reality bites Mm, because it's like that's also about people who like just graduated and they don't know what their next step is going to be so they're sort of like one foot in the past and like one foot in the future because that movie sucks one's a hollywood one's an indie i mean kind of yeah uh reality bites in a lot of way is like you know hollywood being like well kids like mtv and indie movies so let's try making our own it's a movie about uh, Hollywood co-opting youth culture and how bad that is. Yeah. Made by Hollywood co-opting youth culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's a pureness to this, like, while we're just on the subject. Like, it really feels like this was an indie film that was, like, somebody's vision. 
and I appreciate that a lot about it. I mean, Bombak doesn't like hide his name in the credits. Mm-mm. He is like written and directed by Noah Bombak. <laughs> yeah. One thing I like, I think, uh, there's a couple times in the movie where um, there's like a double focus in talking. Okay, can you name me eight movies where monkeys play a key role? Dick! Uh, going ape. Monkeys. Mighty Joe Young. For Monkey all of our sakes, I hope Monkey Trouble. Gets this. Uh, you know, in a few uh, hours, King Kong. Was the, all King, the other King Kong. Eight hours ago, I was Max Belmont, uh, English major, college the, senior. A femme monkey now. I am Max Belmont, who does nothing. What are you talking again. about? Monkeys, monkeys, what do I Ted do? and Alice. I do nothing. All my accomplishments are in the past. Monkeys. Okay. Monkeys is a stupid subject. It's sort of like uh, uh, Three Women director. Robert Altman? It's sort of like a Robert Altman thing where it's like, you know, overlapping dialogue. I, also, I like how your reference is Three Women. <laughs> oh, thank you. Even though we've done like multiple Altman movies on this podcast. Yep. But it's also sort of a metaphor for what these people are going through in their lives. Like there's a lot of voices telling them what they should do and it's like sometimes it can be hard to sift through that noise so i think it's kind of cool to have those scenes in the movie like i don't know if they're relevant when they show up like does that reflect to what these characters are going through in that moment i don't know but like watching them this time seeing those scenes it wasn't it wasn't just like oh this will be neat like it felt like purposeful sure and i mean part of it is that i think you know noah bomback likes his dialogue scenes Sooner or later, every movie comes down to just, like, two people in a room talking. And, like, instead of trying to avoid that, like, I think he embraces it. And he's like, how can I, like, make this dynamic or interesting or, you know. And, like, you see him, like, plotting out the skills for it. That, like, you know, that's what Marriage Story is. Like, two people in a room talking or four people in a room talking. Oh, yeah. And in that, it's, like, riveting and exciting. And I think he's, like, working out the vocabulary for that in this movie. And yeah, there's a pureness to it that just, this is what interests him. He's interested in people and he's interested in what people think and say. And yeah, it's like, it's not fully formed yet, but he's just, he's doing his exactly what he wants to do with this movie. So at one point, someone makes a remark that Grover's uh, trying to bang uh, Jane 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, I missed that. And I was like, this movie's from 1995. Have we been doing, you know, X2 Electric Boogaloo for 26 years? Seems like it. Like, when when did we start, at, when did we start adding Electric Boogaloo to to a, a sequel? What, what, whether it's a, a movie cinematic sequel or a spiritual doppelganger in real life. When did the blank movie Electric Boogaloo come out? Uh, break into Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I want to say eighty five, eighty six. That's it. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, my memory from that era is sketchy at best. But very like, woomy. <laughs> I feel like that those the break in movies weren't huge successes. Mm-hmm. So it's odd that they're already like adding on Electric Boogaloo to stuff. I don't. It, like he said that, and I was like, Jane Two Electric Boogaloo. It was already so stupid of like a, a sequel title that it was it had worked its yeah. way into the zeitgeist. It must have like been something that really made an uh, impression on a marquee, you know? Maybe both Breakin' and Breakin' Two, Electric Boogaloo came out in 1984. So a mere 11 years later, it's worked its way into the zeitgeist. We're already throwing it around. I mean, can you think of like not that the Marvel movies really like? Well, no, some of them do. We're not adding the Dark World or something to, yeah, like Thor: The Dark World or, or, you know, we're not calling movies, you know, I'm not calling your boyfriend's Tim to Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah, <laughs> you could. Ragnarok's w- too new, but I would get the reference. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We're still stuck on Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, we still. I still hear that one. Yeah, that, I think that's something we should think about moving forward. <laughs> I think uh, maybe it's, maybe it's time to retire it because it's been around for too long. Well, I'll, I'll when I do that, I'll often say the new batch. Ah, I love that. There's a couple others that I'll, I'll throw in there, but um, I mean, Electric Boogaloo, everyone knows that one. Yeah. If I say the new batch, sometimes people are a little confused. I mean, Two Jane, Two Furious. Yeah, that's a tough one, but I like where you're going with it. Maybe, maybe. Those are, that's another one I think people try to throw in there these days. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they just don't take a chance with uh, sequel titles the way that they used to. Oh, that's a shame. Cowards. <laughs> so did you find it at all ironic that Elliot Gould had a son named Grover? Because oh, you're talking that about that TV guide. TV guide mm. picture of Elliot Gould and Grover. You think he got Elliot Gould first and or like the character was named something else and then once Elliot Gould was signed on, he's like, oh, I gotta change this guy's <laughs> name to Grover. Well, I mean, who's named Grover anymore? I know. Like I don't know any Grovers. Me neither. Speaking of privilege, like name your kid after Grover, Grover Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. Or he was named after the Muppet. That's true. Well, Sesame Street and the Muppets are technically different things. But Aren't they both okay. Jim Henson Company? Well, Matt. Big Bird is in the, the Muppet minutia. movie. <laughs> but uh, they are both Jim Henson creations, but Sesame Street and the Muppets are separate entities. But they exist in the same universe. Right, and it's the same fucking people. But Sesame Street is owned by PBS or Children's Broadcasting Network. What difference does that make? Well, and the Muppets are owned by Jim Henson Company, so it's different. So? They're not Muppets. They... Fraggle Rock also is not Muppets. What, but... The Dark Crystal is not Muppets. But the like... Muppets are like a, their own like thing. But when people say Muppets, they're not referring to like the trademark puppet brand. Well, in my world, they better be. <laughs> No one's checking the copyright underneath, like, on the tag on the puppet. Mm-hmm. Well, I will happily correct them if they do. Uh, so Fraggle Rock's not Muppets. It's technically in the, in the Children's Broadcasting Network. So Umbrella. What do we call Sesame Street characters? Like what They're type like of, Sesame Street. But, like, what type of puppet are those? Are they not mops and puppets? <laughs> They're Sesame Streeters. No. There's no way you're going to tell me Oscar the Grouch is not a Muppet. Yeah, especially when he's like uh, Bert and Ernie? puppeteered by, what's his name? M- Bert and Ernie Muppets. Yeah, Jim Henson way. and Frank Oz did those two. Like, I get it. But technically, they're not Muppets. That's just a legal distinction. It's not like a material distinction. <sighs> well, take it to court then. I've enjoyed this tangent. I really, it made me like feel like a character in Kicking and Screaming. That's oh, nice. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, Grover. <laughs> <laughs> so what it would be is like, okay, name 12 Muppets. Go. Uh, Dr. You T. You have to ding in. <laughs> I can't. And so you would say Oscar the Grouch and then we, I would dispute you. And uh, then we just, we'd get into it. But that's the joy of life a little bit. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. You know, in your free time, you know, guess what, Matt? People have to work. Oh, you're telling me. (laughs) I think um, working average like uh, Rihanna said it best (laughs) with work, 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 work. Something, something. Derp, 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 derp. I was really worried that you were going to say work, bitch. And I was going to be like, that's Britney Spears. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, If you want a Bugatti and and (laughs) and a bunch of manicotti, you better work, bitch. Wow. What have you been studying up on Britney Spears? Uh, la, la, la. Okay, let's talk about the final scene real fast, just because I think it's interesting. And then we can talk about the final, final scene, because I also think that's good. But uh, Grover makes this, like, last-ditch effort to go see Jane in Prague. He runs up to the ticketing agent and is like, I just, haven't you ever wanted to you know spontaneously do something and blah 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 and it's like this really impassioned speech and it's very earnest this is so frustrating because i'm terrible at conflict i hate it and if i'd imagined this problem while falling asleep one night i don't think i would have spoken up to you even in my fantasy life i just would have accepted it that's who i am but today i have to go i have to and when i tell people about this in the future i know that you know it, it It'll be the time that I, I went, you know? And I know that when I review this little episode in my head, I'm not gonna know what I did or, or why I did it. I think they've done something with the real Grover. <laughs> but it'll make a good story of my young adult life and the time I chose to go to Prague. I'll look back on it and I won't believe that I actually went, you know, I went away. <laughs> so let me go, I have to, I need. Just put me on the plane. 
let me go. I used to hate a cutaway he puts into it to the agent listening and just yeah. like looking at him like, mm-hmm. Okay. And this time around, I was like, oh, I really appreciate that cutaway because it, like I was looking at her and I was thinking like, she's probably like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm listening. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Like, I don't know. I kind of had a different view on it this time oh, okay when was the last time you watched this movie mm, probably a good like 12 years ago or something oh, okay like yeah definitely my 20s oh okay oh really in yeah. your 20s yeah probably wow i just really appreciated that uh that cutaway and i remember specifically thinking oh this seemed to be so much better if he didn't do that cutaway and uh i think that's there to remind us that like as romantic as this scene is, there is that bitterness of like, you're not in reality, Grover. Wow. Like you're you're acting in a movie. This woman's job. This is my job. (laughs) I could get fired for giving you an extra potato. potato. And I mean, she kind of buys into it. She's like, I think I can find you a seat. And yeah. And like, it's such a, it's just such a nice like cap on it because you know, he's like, Oh great. You know, like I can do this romantic, uh, young idealistic thing. And then she, you know, she asks him for his passport and it's like, this is what being an adult is, bitch. Like, and he, he he's always forgetting stuff. Could, the the condom in his wallet, uh, like, his ID, could, his ID. Like, he's always like leaving stuff behind, and so it's like, yeah, this recurring theme of like his shortcoming of always forgetting something is the thing that stops him from making that grand romantic gesture. Yeah, and she says you can always go tomorrow, but it's like, oh, the moment's, moment's over. Gone. Yeah, it's gone. Can't do it. But Which like, is such an early twenties like thing like now i just be like yeah i guess i'll just come back tomorrow <laughs> if i was really down to do it i was also gonna say you'd never travel you'd, you'd never be that spontaneously romantic <laughs> no once you, like i don't have a toothbrush <laughs> he had nothing i know it's very romantic also but... like how would you even find her i know he it's... well he knows the school she's going to like uh still what are you gonna do is hang outside that school hoping that you see her she sent a postcard to Chet. Maybe he has her address. But not on him. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. That's just a big ask, I feel. like yeah, It's a dangerous... I wouldn't do it. It's very <laughs> It's very romantic. but uh, Very romantic. And like when you see like the light like leaving his face. I know. He's like, oh, this wasn't a good idea. Yeah. But then like we get the, the final like flashback. And it's like the begin. And I love a movie... I love a romantic movie that ends on the beginning of a relationship. Like give me this or eternal sunshine of the spotless mind any day. Like mm. if you're going to make your movie romantic, you better end it on when they fall in love for fuck's sake. Cause I want to leave with that feeling. I don't want to leave with the shit they've been through. Right. You know, it's your complaint with uh Brokeback mountain versus God's own country. Exactly. But he says like, okay, the way I see it, if we were an old couple dated for years, graduated away from all these scholastic complications and I reached over and kissed you. You wouldn't say a word. I mean, you'd be delighted, probably. But if I was to do that now, it would be quite forward. And if I did it the first time we ever met, uh, you probably would hit me. What do you mean? I just wish we were an old couple so I could do that. And then it just ends, and like, I don't know, I get goosebumps i love it i love this ending it's a great ending but he wants to be old it's like it's the themes of like and i don't know how i've never seen this before but like he he's that's the one time you see grover wishing like i wish i could just be not a kid (laughs) i wish i could have the spoils and do none of the work exactly yeah (laughs) i mean it's the same thing it's it's the romantic side of max's i wish i was like retiring after a lifetime of hard work yeah this movie just it feels like a warm blanket for me it's real easy to watch and it went down real easy last night when Mm. i was watching it like it's like 88 minutes it's not even that long yeah breezy runtime and it has a charm it i mean part of its charm is a little bit of how inept it is like a little how diy it is but it it's the sort of movie that you watch and you're like i could do this yeah yeah i could make this movie yeah like, there's a little inspiration to it. It's like, yeah, it's not punk. It's not, like, folk. It's something, like, in between. 
Like, no. it's on its own terms, but it's quiet about it. Do you think the Cookie Man is pro-life? I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Isn't doesn't it just say like Cookie Man pro-life? Yeah, question mark. Question mark. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to know more about Cookie Man. Would you still buy cookies from the Cookie Man if you found out he was pro-life? They're good cookies, Matt, remember. Well, it depends what he does with that cookie money. Like if he's just using it for his own purposes, he's allowed to have his own beliefs. Putting it back into his cookie recipes. Right. That's fine. But if he's using it to like funnel anti-choice groups or politicians then no i would not what if he uses the money to make cookies in the shape of aborted fetuses that's fine they're still cookies they taste fine with messages about pro-life stuff uh but those are the good cookies it's a fortune cookie yeah basically you break open the the child embryo okay and it says it's a child not a choice or something yeah (laughs) um so i mean at that point it's a question of like how good are these cookies yeah but i think i think that's the crux of this really like i i'm fine if the cookies are really good and i can eat around the the fortune then uh yeah it's still fine well i probably wouldn't eat there but i would not have no moral objection mm-hmm. to cook- cookie man it sounds like he's a delivery person would you want to get into a discussion with cookie man about abortion while buying cookies from him i mean i wouldn't want to but if like he came to my door with my weekly cookie delivery my weekly cookie quota uh-huh with like you know, a shirt that said, you know, abortion is murder. And he broached the topic with me. I mean, I would. Mm, okay. I would get into the, 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 you know, abortion is just another form of health care. And that the need to terminate a pregnancy uh, has been around as long as pregnancy in human civilization and that it's not an invention of the 20th century or it's not an invention by the homosexuals to control population or that it's not people taking anger or, or, or quote, bad choices out on fetuses, that, that it's a health decision that they're making on their own and that no one makes it lightly. And, uh, yeah, that it, it should be between the person having the baby and... Uh, uh, you know, potentially the important partners or, or, or players in, in that world doctor, maybe a husband, if they'll react properly to it. Okay. If they're going to act like uh, Michael Corleone, when, when he found out that Kay lost that baby or had an abortion, you might want to skip that conversation, but, yeah. um, yeah, I think you better hope that it's not just some cookie delivery boy that you're having that talk with. Cause I feel like at that point they'd be like, I'm just here to deliver your cookies, sir. This is the uniform <laughs> they make me wear. <laughs> the cookie man is my father. <laughs> That'll be $18, please. Yeah. No, so it would depend. Like if he was using the his cookie proceeds to fund anti-choice outfits. No, I wouldn't. But okay. if it was just his own personal belief, then that's fine. Okay. That's a very well thought out answer. <laughs> Uh, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any other, uh, funny witticisms to say? Uh, no, but the movie's on Netflix. See it while you can. Yeah. 88 minutes and, uh, you'll be transported back to a wild, wild time known as 1995. Wild world of the 90s. Well, Matt, what's coming up next week? Next week is episode 100. And 199. We're coming to a close of a, I feel like a big chapter in in the X-rated world. We're closing on 200. This podcast lasted through a terrible presidency. And, you know, granted, like, he lost the election several months ago. But it's like, you know, I moved. You moved. Relationship statuses have changed. (sighs) And it just kind of feels like 
we're both in very different places than we were when we started the podcast. 100%. And I don't know. I'm feeling that like after the 200 mark, we'll be different people. Like it, the, not that there's going to be a change to the podcast necessarily, but that just we're more mature. We're different individuals than the, the ones that started the podcast. Sure. So I want to pick a movie that is fitting to the closing of this chapter okay. of the podcast. Okay. I want to do a Claire Denis movie. <gasps> Bookends. Uh, I want to do Trouble Every Day. All right. Yeah. Never seen it. Uh, it's her vampire movie. Yes. And I was hoping yeah. you'd say that. For some reason, more than like when I chose episode 99, I wanted to like do something that felt closing to this specific chapter. I like it. I like so it. So it's like, this is like us like tipping our cap to this chapter of the podcast. 200 will be the blowout. Like, you know, yeah. so long to this season, of course, but I don't know. 199. It just felt like now's a good time for like the curtain to drop a little bit while we restage. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Get another Claire Denis on here. Yeah. She's real good. Yeah. Well, until then, I think we should plug our junk and GTFOH. Sorted topic of coin. Bling. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash X-rated movies. Any sort of monetary contribution always helps with anything. <sighs> Matt, I almost forgot. We got two new reviews in April. Oh, fuck. Did we really? Yeah. We got one from 505 Patrick. This podcast introduced me to such gems as the Greasy Strangler and Altitude Falling, as well as the horrific mental image of Jimmy Stewart getting a blumpkin. There's really something for everybody here. Check it out. Wow. Uh, the the uh, tagline of that is good till the last drop. That's a five-star five review. Wow. And another five-star review that uh, the headline is delicious. Uh, and this is from Liberal Wildflower. How does X-Rated not have a trillion listeners? Oh, I'm sorry, that has an exclamation point. I'm How does X-Rated movies not have a trillion <laughs> listeners? I ask myself that every day. Matt and Ryan consistently crank out organized, analytical, hysterically funny pods that make me curious about movies I'd probably never seek out otherwise. If you enjoy joy, give this a go. Jesus Christ, people. The critics are raving. <laughs> that just warms my cockles. I love hearing it. That's the kind of stuff you can just do for free and give put a smile on our faces. Oh, that did make me happy. Yeah. I, I was going to tell you ahead of time, and I forgot. And so that was a genuine reaction from Matt, folks. Wow. That's all, uh, I love that. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Um, free way. Free, free and easy way to make us happy and to get the pod out here. Like, support us. Um, other than that, you can always reach out and touch us. Reach out. Touch us. Twitter's at X-Rated Movies. Facebook's at Rated X Movies. Emails x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And our website where you can find everything we've done. X-RatedMovies.com. Yes. And we love hearing from you, so please feel free. Reach out anytime. So until next week, with trouble every day, keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye. Bye.